1: Everybody, welcome back into another episode of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. Episode 84 coming to you live this week. Throwing you a little bit of a curveball. See, Vandy, a little, little, little baseball reference there. We're going to take a step away from basketball this week. I've uh, been you know, covering hoops hard and heavy here in the last couple months. But uh, it's uh, taking, a, taking a little detour this week. It is the first week of baseball season. If you're listening to this on Friday when it's released, today is uh, the first day of college baseball and then after the uh, the commercial break halfway through here, we'll have uh, James Jimenez Jimenez in with us to take a look at the uh, the college football all star games that happened here over the last month or so. But uh, nonetheless, we got uh, baseball on our mind. Spring weather, warm weather. A lot of the MAC baseball teams heading south, heading west to start their seasons. Vansy,
2: we are not so fortunate.
1: How you doing, man?
2: I'm doing good. I mean, you know, the ice and snow is pelting, uh, you know, my windows here. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. But, um, you know, I got to say that that intro uh, was a home run.
1: (laughs) A lot of baseball puns here tonight. So, yeah, it's uh, for for any Mac baseball fans out there. So if you're again, if you're listening to this on Friday, the 18th, the first uh, baseball games of the season are taking place today. Uh, got some interesting games, some interesting series for some of our MAC teams over this first weekend of the season. And uh, to get the, the season started, just the other day, the MAC released their, their preseason baseball poll, uh, preseason coaches poll, I should say. And uh, Vansy, no surprises here, at least from my perspective. Maybe you'll disagree, but Central Michigan, uh, defending champion, won the NCAA tournament last year. They come in at first place with six of 11 possible first place votes, followed up by Ball State and Kent State. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't think I don't know. I look at the top three right there in the preseason poll. It mirrors the, the top three from the final standings last year with Central Michigan uh, finishing 31 and nine in the conference last year. They win the conference uh, and Ball State and Kent State uh, not far behind them in second and third. I don't know. As you look at the preseason poll here, any surprises, anything that any, you know, any team you feel that's undervalued, overvalued, anything along those lines?
2: Oh, no, I, I, you know, I was looking at it. I really wanted to find something, you know, where I could nitpick, and I really couldn't. I mean, you know, Central Michigan was a class of the MAC last year. Um, you know, they they gave Notre Dame a run for it uh, in the uh, NCAA tournament. They beat Michigan, you know, so they, they were just, you know, heads and shoulders above everybody else last year, even when Miami had a pitcher like Sam Bachman. Um, so I think when you look at it, it's not a surprise there. Ball state was very good. Kent state, very good. Western Michigan had a very strong season, you know, and I, it just really, you got, you know, five of the top six receiving a vote in the polls. So that's real, you know, in the, in the Mac coaches poll for first place. So that's interesting to see, but, uh, you know, I think central Michigan is a class of the Mac. Um, You know, they have probably, you know, not just the best one, two punch in the Mac, but one of the best in the nation. Um, You know, Jordan Patty 10 and two with a 2.46 ERA. And he's not even the ace. Andrew Taylor, you know, it's 11 and four, 1.81 ERA. And and, uh, he was the reigning Mac pitcher of the year. So I think central Michigan at number one makes sense. Ball state, um, you know, in a lot of mid-major conferences, Ball State would be, uh, you know, the preseason pick, you know. And then then as far as some teams maybe too low, I think Western Michigan, they they run a lot, um, you know, on the base paths, And I think that always makes it tough uh, for Billy Gernon's bunch down there in Kalamazoo. So I think they're a team to watch. Um, you know I thought Toledo their their first real season with the new head coach I thought they made strides and even just looking over some of the top draft prospects in the league by d1baseball.com by Baseball America Eastern Michigan has got you know a couple guys even and and they're picked to finish eighth well they got two guys in the top five as far as draft prospects and then a third who's one of the top prospects for next year's draft so there really seems to be a lot of parity but i just don't think anyone's challenging central michigan
1: yeah i hear you there and 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 you know i'm let's let's start with central michigan vansy because this is a team that um, you know they 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 win the MAC last year. There's no MAC tournament, but they you know they they win the MAC tournament last year. They go to the NCAA tournament. They actually win two games in the in the subregional round. They knock off Michigan, which was a big win for the program. They knock off UConn as well. You mentioned the strength of the pitching staff. What what is it about Central Michigan that has allowed them to have this sustained success here over the last few years? You know they 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 go to the NCAA tournament last year. The last time the MAC actually hosted a conference. tournament back in 2019 they won it as well uh so so they're coming off of some you know three very or two very strong seasons is it the pitching staff that is kind of the genesis of that or what do you see as the, the the chippewas key to success
2: well i would say it's the coaching staff you know they had had a long tenured coach and it kind of just everything seemed to get stale you know and and now you got Jordan Bischel, Uh He was at uh, Northwood uh, there in, uh, in Midland, Michigan, and in 2017, 2018, won the, the GLAC title. And then he comes to Central Michigan. He's a two time MAC Coach of the Year now. Um, and he's turned around that program. You know, they kind of started it off by just changing the culture, weeding some guys out, um, a lot of Juco guys. And now, now they're turning it around and getting some recruits. And when you look at Jordan Bishop as a young coach, he's only 40 years old. I'm surprised he's coming back to Mount Pleasant in a bigger program than pick him up. But when you look at what he's done, he's a he's a Midwest guy. He's from, you know, Green Bay, Wisconsin. You know, he's been around the area. So he knows how to recruit this area. He knows how to recruit uh, you know, in this climate. He's, you know, it's it's hard to get evaluations on baseball players in the the northern you know, Midwest. And he's done a phenomenal job uh, with Central Michigan, turning around that culture, tremendous depth Um, every year. Now they are having players drafted.
1: Yeah, certainly. And I mean, you look at at the Chippewas uh, schedule here, uh, they'll have some chances to prove themselves pretty quickly. I mean, you got a couple games this weekend against uh, Coastal Carolina and West Virginia. You got a game against Wake Forest in the non-conference schedule. So, uh, you know, obviously a, a strong team there from the ACC. One other team here I wanted to ask you about Bandy. I think when a, when a lot of people think about MAC baseball, I think one of the traditionally one of the strongest programs, one of the premier programs in the conference here is Kent State. You know, we think about that that kind of uh watershed moment they had back in 2012. They go to the world, the college world series on a kind of a a little bit of a Cinderella run. They finished the conf- you know, they finished third in the conference last year. They're picked third in the conference again this season. Do you see what? What do you see from the Golden Flashes? What, what's the outlook for the Golden Flashes here? Are they a team? Do you feel? I mean, obviously they're picked third in the preseason poll, but do you feel they have a serious ch- uh, chance to challenge the Chippewas at the top of the heap?
2: Well, I mean, right now on paper, I don't think so because you're you know you look at a weekend series is three or four games, and when Central Michigan rolls out the two pitchers that they got, it's going to be tough. Um, they do have at uh, Kent State one of the top. But, prospects in the mac and probably the top offensive prospect catcher uh, justin uh some of these names it's hard to pronounce because you know you don't hear them as much but it's a uh, catcher justin mickness uh hit 349 last year with 14 doubles he was an orioles 35th round pick out of high school back when that actually was still a thing before they adjusted the draft um, he's somebody who's probably going to be a day two mlb draft pick so uh you know, they, they got some guys there. They got the, the tradition, they got the facilities, their coaches seem to turn out and it go on to bigger and better things. But I just think central Michigan and in, in, ball state um, with their talent are just too good.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm glad you mentioned ball state there as well. I wanted to get your opinion on, on the Cardinals too. Again, another, another traditionally very strong program that, that, that challenges, uh, you know, for the top of the conference, you look, I mean, Kent state far and away has the most Mac titles, 12 Mac titles, uh, but I mean, uh, you know, the, the I think the Cardinals also traditionally, I mean, I think you think about guys that they have put in the MLB, you know, obviously me being from Pittsburgh, I remember back in the mid 2000s, Brian Bullington being the number one pick overall in the draft as a pitcher out of Ball State. What do you see from the Cardinals this year? It sounds like based on your last answer, you feel like they have a much better chance to knock off Central Michigan than Kent State does.
2: Well, Rich Maloney, I mean, he's been at Ball State for a while. He was the Ball State head coach, and then he left and uh, went to Michigan and had a lot of success at Michigan. And then when they eventually let him go, he came back to Ball State. Ball State, uh, you know, should have been in the NCAA tournament last year. They lost some guys uh, to the MLB draft. But, you know, you're looking at it, I mean, you know, they, they won 38 games, they had road series wins at Kentucky and at Do- Old Dominion. I mean, you know, if you take Ball State, you know, winning 38 games and you put them in most any other mid-major league, they're going to win the conference, Central Michigan got them, got into the tournament. Ball State should have been in at large somewhere. Um, They they lost some guys, but I think it's to that point now where that culture with Rich Blah, Rich Maloney, there has turned it around, and now you can yearly pencil Ball State as a MAC contender.
1: Yeah, certainly, and um, I I, I agree with that. I, I do recall, you know, the 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 I don't know if controversy is the right word, but some of the outrage in, in, in the Mac, uh, landscape, especially on Twitter, when ball state did not get an at-large bid last year, certainly felt like, especially, you know, you mentioned some of those wins in the non-conference season against Kentucky and old dominion. If I, if I remember correctly, I believe they also knocked off Arizona one or two times in the non-conference schedule. So yeah, they're certainly, uh, they certainly seemed like they had the, the resume to get to the NCAA tournament, uh, and, and were unfortunately left out. I wanted to ask you your opinion on, on two, you know, we talked a little bit about these teams at the top of the standings here. I'd like to get your opinion uh, on, on a couple of teams that, that, you know, the expectations aren't quite as high this year. The first one is an intriguing case for me, which is Akron because Akron, you know, last season, it's their first season back in competition after the program had been disbanded for five years. They raised some money. They were able to bring the program back. And as you would probably expect, they struggled last year, 8 and 32 in the conference, 15 and 36 overall. The Zips picked last again in the conference again this season. They came in 11th out of 11 in the preseason coaches' poll. Obviously it's it's a little bit of a unique situation having to rebuild a program from the ground up. What do you think the outlook is is for the zips as they enter kind of re- two, year two, excuse me, of their rebuild?
2: Well, Chris Sable, he's uh, you know, their manager there. He's well, I guess in college baseball, it's head coach, but he's somebody who had a distinguished career um there for some time with the uh, Cincinnati Reds also there in Ohio uh, it's tough bringing the program back it in, in you know i mean especially with some of the things that that covid has caused to happen you know they they had a uh, a poor you know, offensive numbers, uh, their pitching staff wasn't that great last year. You know, they're they're coming back. It's good to see that they have a team. Um, you know, they they got uh, Connor Steinball, uh, you know, one of their pitchers. He's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, but, boy, there just isn't a lot of talent. But they did have a very good recruiting class. Um, according to D1Baseball.com, they had three of the top ten recruits. But this is something for them where I think, you know, it's a building project, you know, they're still just laying the foundation. They're still, I mean, and you look at the the standings, you know, I mean, you, you the, the listeners can't see it, but central Michigan, first place, 115 points, Northern Illinois, 10th, 36 points in the poll, uh, Akron, 11 points, you yeah. know? So, you know, you're going from 36 to 11. The expectations are not high for this Akron team, um, and I, I think the administration's doing it the right way. I think the staff is doing it the right way. It'll just take a few years.
1: Yeah, certainly. it's It's certainly a tall task having to bring a bring a program back from the dead like that and we'll see if the if the zips are able to have any you know market improvement over what they showed us last year in their in their uh first year back in the competition the other team uh that i wanted to ask you about vansy is obviously you know i know you're an emu guy big emu baseball fan i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on on your expectations your outlook this year for the eagles they're picked eighth in the preseason poll here they finished uh what ninth in the, in the conference last season, 15 and 25 in the Mac 21 and 30 overall, what do you see from the, from the Eagles this year? What do they have returning? What do you like that you see? Where do you think they might struggle overall? What, what are your, uh, what are your kind of, uh, expectations for the Eagles as we head into the season?
2: Yeah. Well, first off they're a former NCAA, uh, you know, like they, they made the college world series, uh, back in, I believe it was the seventies the with Terry Collins. A lot of people don't realize that. But uh, you know a, a once proud uh, you know program, they're kind of finding their way again. Um, you know it's tough because they right now you look at it and they have some pitching. Zach Fruit, he's a reliever. Um, you know he's one of the top prospects in the conference. Cam Wagner, a former you know mid round pick of the the Texas Rangers, um, he should be you know one of their their top starters. Uh, the brothers, one of them, one of who back from injury uh they got to replace davis feldman and that's going to be a tough tough loss for them but they do have some guys and then nick chittum uh you know one of the he almost got drafted in that weird COVID draft of of 2020 so when you look at these guys they got some pitching but where is the offense going to come from who's going to step up on that end um and then also when i look at it you know, really, I mean, you know, you look at Eastern Michigan, they're eighth in the standings in the MAC. I mean, I think they nailed this coach's poll, but who's going to jump up? You know, I mean, who are you going to maybe jump over? Um, you know, I mean, I, I like Miami. I like Toledo, Western, Kent, Ball State, Central. Maybe you get Ohio, but it's going to be tough. I mean, the the parity in this league um, outside of Central Michigan, Ball State, Kent State, where they're the the top dogs is going to be tough.
1: Yeah, totally agree with you there. And uh, you know we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, I wanted to ask you. You know, you've mentioned a couple times now. You know, you know potential. You know, draft prospects. You know, guys that in, in the in the MAC this year that have a chance to hear their name called in the MLB draft next summer. Who, who would you say? Um, who Who are the players to watch this year? Who are the guys you feel that that you know are going to have their their names called or have a chance to have their names called in the early rounds of the upcoming MLB draft?
2: Well, I'd say Andrew Taylor, a Central Michigan right-handed pitcher, Justin McNess, a catcher out of Kent State, Cam Wagner, uh, former reliever for Eastern Michigan. And then you start getting into some interesting guys, um, you know, uh, Kenton Egbert, uh, in Miami, Jonathan brand Miami. Um, those are some guys, if you're looking for some more offense, uh, Jacob Marcy at central Michigan, another one of those guys, Zach Cole ball state. Um, those guys are outfielders. So, you know, those are some names to keep an eye on. The baseball draft is very odd. You could get drafted, but not sign, mm-hmm. um, you know and and um so you know a lot of these guys may get drafted but if it's at a certain point in the draft they may elect to come back because you're down to 20 rounds now but if you don't get the money you want you could come back have a better year maybe get a degree see what you get um so i would say probably andrew taylor catcher justin McNiss from kent state as well uh, and cam wagner those are probably the three guys that i would say i would put them in probably going first five first ten rounds gotcha interesting Interesting. And,
1: and yeah, you always love to hear Mac guys get their name called in, in, in the draft, no matter what sport it is. So we'll certainly have to keep our eyes on those uh, those those guys as we progress through the season. Uh, Vanzi, one one last question about the season here before we take a look at some of the games and the series going on this weekend. Got to get your predict- prediction, put you on the spot. Um, if you had to pick a, a Mac champion right now before the season started, you go with Central Michigan or you see anyone else knocking them off?
2: I I'm going central michigan I just I think you know they got the pitching they got some offense that pitching alone is going to be hard to beat.
1: Yeah, hard to disagree with that and I think the 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 coaches in the mac certainly agree with you as well as you mentioned getting uh the, the Chippewas getting 6 of the uh 11 possible first place votes. So, uh interesting it's it's always fun, always an exciting time, uh, the day before the season starts. So uh, beginning of a new year, you never know what's going to happen, but it certainly seems like the Chippewas have, uh, have the most talent in the conference and are justifiably at the top of the, uh, the, the preseason poll. Let's take a look, Vansy. Let's, let's uh, take a look at some of the, the games and the series this weekend, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, a lot of Mac teams here, obviously, you know, middle of February in, in Ohio and Michigan, Indiana, not not exactly baseball weather here. So we got a lot of teams in the MAC going down south, going out west uh, to take on uh, some competition and uh, get their season started. Got your Eastern Michigan Eagles going down to South Carolina to take on Winthrop. Miami's going down to take on Tennessee Martin. Northern Illinois going out to the west coast, taking on Sacramento State. Toledo. Toledo and Akron actually both going down to Nashville. Uh, Toledo taking on Belmont, Akron taking on Lipscomb. Those two schools only a couple miles apart down there. Uh, Bowling Green going down to Alabama for a neutral site series against the St. Louis Billikens. And then you have uh, Central Michigan and Kent State both going down to a showcase event Uh, In Conway, South Carolina, hosted by Coastal Carolina. Central Michigan takes on West Virginia twice and Coastal Carolina once. Kent takes on Coastal Carolina twice and West Virginia once. And then you got Ball State going down to Charleston, South Carolina for a, uh, another type of showcase event. They'll take on Bucknell, Iowa Air Force and Army over the course of the weekend. And then Ohio uh, going down to upstate South Carolina to take on USC Upstate. The only team not in action this weekend, uh, Western Michigan. They will start their season next Friday. They go down to Lexington uh, to take on Kentucky. So with all that said, Vansy, any, uh, any series or any games this weekend that you have circled that you'll be keeping your eye on?
2: Well, one thing I, I just always find it very, you know, it. I'm a big baseball fan. I would, you know, it's snowing and ice. If I could, I would go out and I would watch, you know, a game in this weather just because I love baseball. But us up north here, we won't get to see a lot of these teams until like a month or so into the season. And yeah. it's a major problem with college baseball um, because you really have kind of this. It, it's handed to the southern schools of somewhat in that note. Um, with that being said, you know, looking at the games, I, I got to go Central Michigan. I mean, Coastal Carolina, Western Virginia, you know, those are some power, you know, some, I mean, Coastal Carolina, not a major conference, but they're a major baseball program. That's one of the things about baseball. It's a little bit different. You got the Cal State Fullerton's, the Coastal Carolinas, you know, the, the Chanticleers won the College World Series uh, a few years ago. So I would have to go with that one. Ball State, I mean, they're, they're down there in a showcase event with Iowa. You know, that's a good program. Um, You know, so I would kind of look at those and say, and then also Kent State, I mean, they're in the same one as Central. So you're going to find out a lot about these, some of these schools pretty quickly, um, you know, right off the bat with some of these showcase tournaments and Wintrell, you know, going against Eastern Michigan. That's a solid mid-major program as well.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying there. I'm, I'm especially, I'm, I'm really going to be keeping my eye on that, uh, that showcase event down at Coastal Carolina. I want to see, you know, you know, Coastal Carolina, who you mentioned, 2016 national champions, and then you know, West Virginia down there as well as an ACC team. Um, excuse me, as a Big 12 team. Um, obviously, you know, Big 12, one of the strongest conferences for baseball. So I would, I'll be curious to see how Kent and and CMU acquit themselves against some good competition. Uh, th- those are definitely the ones I have uh, circled, and then you mentioned Ball State as well. Anytime you get a chance to play a Big Ten team like Iowa, uh, certainly that that's a good opportunity for the Cardinals. It's funny, you know, you mentioned how the Northern schools are a little bit at a disadvantage here when it comes to the you know the start of baseball season. You got to travel; not a lot of teams schedule in home games. One exception to that, which I thought was really odd, you know, I was looking at all the the different MAC schools and all their, you know, their upcoming non conference schedules. You got Miami a little bit ambitious here. This coming Tuesday, they open their home schedule at home in Oxford. They're taking on Indiana, and then next next weekend they got a home series against uh, Ryder, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Fancy. I got to be honest. I don't know how many. I don't know if the, how many of those games they're going to get in. We got ice and snow all across the Midwest here. I, I i find that a a little bit ambitious you know
2: yeah but i mean you know you're talking about that midwestern weather you could get something where you know like one day it's 60 the next day it's snowing so you yeah. know i want to rule them out just yet at this point um you know, and I've seen this weird thing. I mean, I, you know, college softball, we're we're not going to really get into it because I mean, one, it's just hard to find preseason stuff on college softball, but I've seen it where they're playing their games on football fields in domes where they don't even really hardly have lines. It's like they just sat the bag on like the 40 yard line and there's your first base. So I'm glad we're not seeing that with Mac college baseball. That would just be too weird.
1: Yeah, I agree. That is really, I hadn't seen that that's really interesting though. But I mean, yeah, I, I guess you got to do what you got to do to, to get the games in, especially here up in the in, in the Northeast and the Midwest, where uh, the weather is not always forgiving this time of year. So uh, folks moving forward, obviously we're going to continue to cover basketball. We'll have a little bit of baseball coverage mixed in here as well. Moving forward as you know, basketball season winds down a little bit, baseball season ramps up. We'll, uh, we'll have some, some baseball coverage here every week. We'll, we'll keep an eye on the standings for you and the biggest matchups of the week. But again, basketball coverage will be back next week taking a little break here we'll have all the basketball storylines back next week though don't worry we did not forget about it coming up after the break here uh, on this episode, we'll have, uh, James, bring, James coming in, uh, James kind of spearheaded our coverage of all of the college football, all-star games that have come uh, over the last month, you know, East West shrine bowl, the senior bowl, all that good stuff. There were a number of Mac participants in all of those games. Some guys saw their, their stock rise. Some guys change in positions. There's some in- interesting storylines that we're going to talk about with him and see, uh, where, where, uh, you know, the, the Mac, uh, draft hopeful stand after, uh, the conclusion of college football, all-star season. So stick around for that. We'll be back right after this commercial break with James to break down all the college football all-star action.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to the show. Uh, to close out the episode this week, uh, we have a special guest with us. Our fearless leader, the Hustle Belt creative director, James Jimenez, stops by to talk a little college football all-star game reaction and recap had a number of uh, players from the MAC participating in the various all-star games this year so we uh, figured we'd have James stop by to to help break us break it down for us James how you doing man hey I'm doing all right thanks for having me
0: on and you know our, our fearless leader is our EIC Alan who you know I respect very much and you know just happy to be here and help you guys along it's been a long time Since I've been on here, we were talking, uh, before we started recording, uh, God, it has been since at least the Mac championship, maybe a little bit before then. So, you know, I, I was missing you guys. I volunteered myself to come on here and talk about
1: this and help you out. So yeah. Happy to be along once again. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for stopping by. Well, let's, let's start high level here, James, five all-star games here that have happened over the past month or so, which I feel like a new game gets added every year at this point, it seems like, but you know, we had, uh, we had 27 MAC participants spread across the five games. Let's let's start high level general impressions. Um, you know it, thoughts from the games themselves. The ups, uh, you know, the, the leading up to the game. How did you feel the MAC represented itself? Would you what any takeaways in, in general? We'll start there and then we'll dive in a little bit more uh, specifically. You
0: know, I think the the MAC availed itself pretty well, especially at some of the uh, higher levels of the collegiate All Star bowls. So we're talking like Senior Bowl and the East West Shrine game, I think they did pretty okay for themselves. Uh, And some of the other smaller games, you're going to get more uneven performances, and that tends to happen when it comes to these uh, collegiate showcases. But the thing about the games, ultimately, is that the games themselves are, you know, they're one thing, they're your big public showcase, but it's really the work that you put in during the week that tends to be more important. And I think that a uh, a lot of the Mac Players that are in that position to find themselves you know playing professionally in the future did a very good job to state their case uh, in most of, in, in most instances and we'll we'll cut into it a little bit with some of the other questions. my my general impression was you know some might have considered this a down year for the Mac. you know it's not terribly often that you have a winless team from the year before end up coming up and winning without something happening around the rest, you know, around the rest of the conference. But, you know, like this, this uh, particular class isn't, you know, this particular class of Mac prospects, I should say, has, you know, one first round pick. Again, we'll get into that a little bit. And then the rest of them, you could really chop them up anywhere we choose. So it's not particularly deep, but there's still going to be a lot of interesting players that will have an opportunity to contribute at the professional level, be that the NFL or any other.
2: So on that note, uh, is there any player watching these games that perform particularly well um, who may have rose up the draft stock, uh, you know, the draft boards in, in your estimation or stuff you have seen from other outlets um, as far as some Mac guys who are moving on up? I could
0: tell you immediately that the uh, most pressing coming out of these collegiate all-star games is Dominic Robertson. Uh, that's the edge out of Miami, Ohio. Uh, if you remember Dominic Robinson, he's a very, very unique uh, type of athlete. He came to Miami, Ohio. I want to say in the same class as uh, maybe Gus Fraglin or AJ Mayer. One of the, or uh, uh, you know, he came in competing with another quarterback, basically, out of his class. I want to say, end up being converted to receiver, and then he did this thing at receiver for a little bit. And then wanted to be more of a contributor. So in 2020, which is that big COVID season, a lot of teams are looking around their roster and trying to figure out, well, how can we, you know, how can we navigate this crisis? You know, we need to have backups in case you know our backups are gone. And Dominic Robinson managed to find himself on the defensive side at the edge, and he has limited play. It has to be said, like we really only have a 2021 season to go off of in terms of true game film, but he really helped himself the senior bowl. It was extremely apparent from the first practice onward that Robinson was making an impression on the professional scouts that were assembled there. He had a great first step. His hands were excellent. He was uh, continually beating uh, a lot of the tackle prospects for uh, the side of the ball uh, for whichever team he was assigned to that. That team had the better offensive line. Certainly. I, I want to say it's the national side that the Jets were coaching, and the national side had the better O line. He was just getting after it on every one-on-one repetition. Uh, team side, it was a little more sketchy, but that's understandable since you know they'd had a full week by then to be able to do that in the, in the game. So in the game, he had no stats to speak of, but you could tell that he was getting a lot of pressures in the limited time that he was in there. His moves were really good. He was learning very quickly uh, coming into. Uh, the Senior bull, he was looking to be a day three pick at best. You know, an intriguing prospect at like round five or around six. But he's picked up a lot of uh, accolades in uh, draft media. I saw ESPN. Both McShay and Piper were extremely impressed. The draft network was really impressed. Uh, PFF was really impressed so I would not be surprised if he's played himself into that third round discussion that fourth round discussion off the edge and what is a very strong edge class I want to say 17 of the top 100 prospects are all edge prospects and he
1: might have played himself in that conversation on senior week yeah, I saw the the, the Mel quite the Mel Kiper tweet uh, that was uh, you know mentioned in Dominique Robinson. You know, if you caught Mel Kiper's attention, you're doing something right for sure. Uh, and and it's an interesting uh, case for him. You know, you, you, as you mentioned, James, going from quarterback to wide receiver to edge rusher. Another player that is trying to make a similar transition now. Uh, When I say similar, I mean a a non-traditional transition. Ohio quarterback Armani Rogers went through, you know, transferred from UNLV to Ohio as a dual-threat quarterback. Big body, 6'5", 225. He is attempting to go from quarterback to tight end, which I can't say I can ever recall somebody trying to make that transition. He was a part of the. uh, uh, Let me know. I lost him here. Where Where is he at? He was a part of the east west uh, shrine game thank you yes my goodness I couldn't find him on my list here uh east East west shrine game what what do you think about that his opportunity or I should say his outlook as a professional you know as moving into as he starts his professional career I know didn't get a chance to do a ton in the game itself but um I don't know I mean he certainly has the frame to be a tight end he has the physicalities the athleticism we all remember his 99 yard touchdown run against Buffalo earlier this season what do you think about his prospects moving forward uh, his prospects
0: are going to be getting a minicamp invite, maybe finding his way onto a practice squad. You know, he's not going to get drafted, certainly. So yeah. he's going to be uh, his, him or and or his agent are really going to be working the phones, trying to find a landing spot for him. But that's not to say he's a bad prospect, necessarily. We have to keep in mind that, like, going into East West Shrine game, this is his first ever snaps at a position that wasn't quarterback. So that's going to be an adjustment when you're used to being the signal caller. Now all of a sudden you're having to learn, you know, uh, blocking assignments. You're having to learn how to run the route tree because it's one thing to know the route tree as a quarterback and what your receivers are doing. It's another thing to like actually have to sit down, you know, get that first step off the line, be able to shake off, you know, in his case it's going to be linebackers and nickelbacks, you know, to be able to get up to the to get up to the catch point and. In practices, uh it was reported that he was picking up on things pretty quickly. I, I saw I saw a couple routes of his that could use a little work, could be a little cleaner. But like he has some of that down. He at least knows what he's supposed to be doing there. Uh blocking was up and down as you expect for a brand new tight end prospect, but his wins were wins. So that's at least encouraging. Uh the game itself was really rough. Uh, you know, the pressure of You know, having all the scouts there and going off the fan vibe there probably affected him a little bit. You know, the nerves will get to you. But what you're looking for as a team that's scouting him are the attributes and the intelligence. And he appeared to display both. Uh, He's a little skinny for a tight end right now. He's definitely going to have to put on some, uh, some weight to be playable, frankly. But, you know, that's how it is with developmental prospects. The team that puts them on a practice squad or invites them into many camps is going to get someone who's, uh, who's fairly disciplined and has a lot of potential open field skills, as we've been able to see at that six foot five or so size. Uh, and you don't have to look very far for an example of that transition being a success. Uh, Tyree Jackson, former Buffalo quarterback, uh, he was drafted. He was on the drafted or UDFA by Buffalo as a quarterback, he tried the quarterback thing there for a couple of years, between there and the XFL, with the commanders, the D.C. commanders, it has to be said, not not the Washington commanders. <laughs> and then when that didn't work out, Philadelphia picked him up, but they picked him up as a tight end prospect, and they put him on their practice squad uh, for most, if not all, the season. They called him up in, that, in Week 18, and he had a really, or Week 17, I think, he had a really good stretch of games, and including week 18, he really stood out before he tore his ACL. So, like, at your ceiling, at the ceiling of him, of Armani Rodgers, you might get a Tyree Jackson, who looked, you know, really good as a receiver, got up, you know, is able to get to the catch point. I have a lot of optimism. The thing about it is that ultimately, like, some players get tossed into a different position unwillingly. Like, like, oh, well, I have to do this. You know, I want to be this, but and they're making me do this. And so like, it's just the mindset of I need to get into the professional leagues however I can. And everybody's telling me it's not as a quarterback. So in that sense, you know, if I become a tight end, that is my best chance of making the league and good on him for being able to make that decision. It's a very hard one to do at that age.
2: And it's also a transition, uh, non Mac uh, Logan Thomas out of Virginia tech. He made, um, you know, also with uh, Washington there. So um So moving on, um, one of the best draft prospects, you know, moving on up the board, probably a first rounder as of right now, um, Bernhard Raymond, uh, you know, well-documented, you know, coming over um, his story. Uh, He only played 18 games as a tackle and reading some different things. It seems as if, you know, he played well in the run game, not so much in pass protection you know, where, where are you seeing his stock? Is it, you know, Eric Fisher, Joe Staley, that level of central Michigan linemen, are you thinking, you know, a little bit less or what, what are your thoughts on him?
0: All right. So uh, Ryman, uh, we learned over senior week, it is apparently Ryman instead of Ray. That's a transition I've been working on in my spare time here. So uh, Ryman was definitely a fast riser uh, this year. I think he went from a round six, uh, projection at the start of the year and then found himself in the one range. And I think he will fall somewhere between one and two. Uh, he started the week with the national team as the starting left tackle and then gave way eventually to Trevor Penning. But that's not because necessarily he did a bad job. He did what he excelled at very well. And that was in the run block game. Uh, we knew going in, he was one of the best in the nation at doing that. I think he was second amongst all eligible offensive tackles in the NCAA going into that game. And he did that very well. Uh, the issue that he presented was that he was very uneven in passing reps, which is also what teams are looking for out of a left tackle prospect. You know, was, you know maybe that was just one of those things where they tried him out. You know, because they, they did also try him out at right tackle. And he initially struggled there as well before they placed it back over it left. So the thing with Ryman is, is that if you want a road grading offensive tackle, that's your guy. Ryman will be sure that, that gap is either blocked or opened up for you. He's an excellent, he's an excellent pulling tackle. He has a great lower, lay, uh, lower body strength to be able to pull you know, oncoming edges the issue comes in the past game because his footwork isn't quite up to par which is expected out of someone who's only played 18 games at offensive tackle so uh, the gamble you're taking there with that you know that middle first to late first pick is that you're going to be able to teach him how to be more balanced when he gets out of that you know when he gets out of his stance and starts you know pushing up against the edges you know, how to how, basically how to set his feet, how to use his weight to his advantage in pass pro and how to, you know, basically neutralize any oncoming threat. You know, whether that be with his hands or whether that be by, you know, pushing somebody around for lack of a better term. And with his frame, he has a, he has a pretty nice frame. I want to say is six, seven, three 305. 305 is on the lighter side for a tackle, but if he bulks up a little bit, he'll be just fine, or otherwise, you can move him into guard. he have an excellent run-blocking guard. So there's a lot that can happen there with Ryman. You, you're, you're asking me to compare him to uh, Eric Fisher or to Joe Staley. He'll be drafted around where Joe Staley was drafted. Joe Staley was in the late first round. I, I think that's more or less what he'll end up being. Uh, the comparison to Eric Fisher... Eric Fisher's transition, is, or Eric Fisher's comparison is uh, basically whether you think he's going to be versatile, if he's going to be able to play left and right and maybe guard if called upon. Whereas Staley was more of a true anchored left tackle that did a very good job of run and pass protection. Whereas if Staley was more of a pass protect guy, uh going to be more of a run block guy and so every team is going to have to come up with that and say well you know if you pick if you pick him up we already know we got a, you know we already know we have a great person in the run block maybe we can help polish up some of the pass pro and we'll have a very good tackle for i think he turns 25
1: this cycle we'll have a good
0: tackle hopefully for the next decade
1: Certainly, and and you th- you know you mentioned Eric Fisher and, and uh, some of those other guys. Like certainly a a, a good uh, recent tradition of quality NFL offensive linemen coming out of Central Michigan. James, last question for me here. Um, you know now we're past the All Star games. Now all five of these games have happened. Um, we're about two months away from the draft. So given what we saw here over the last month in these games, given how some of these MAC players acquitted themselves. Uh, who, in your opinion, who, who's the highest drafted Mac prospect this year? Is it Ryman? Is it one of these other guys you mentioned, Dominique Robinson, really starting to climb up the, the, you know, the draft boards. What do you see when we come, you know, come April, uh, the draft rolls around, who do you see as, as the first Mac player having his name called? I can almost
0: assuredly tell you it's going to be Ryman. Yeah. Like Ryman is not falling off the board anytime soon. I don't think, uh, he's been projected as high as I want to say 17 projected as low. As uh, I'd probably say around thirty-five, so he's gonna be in that one-to-two range, and no other Mac prospect is probably hitting. And there's no other Mac prospect that comes until like the late third, early fourth. And those prospects are like gonna be the, the two Miami guys in uh, Dominique Robinson and Sterling Weatherford, who also had a pretty good Senior Bowl. By the way, he was uh, he, he he played very well at the linebacker position, which a lot of teams want him to play. Uh, I know you're a Pitt, Pittsburgh guy over there, Zach. Uh, if you like Miles Killabrew, you'll probably like Sterling Weatherford a lot. Yeah, yeah. He is just, he's a, you know, at the linebacker position. I'm talking about him as a linebacker because that's likely where he will end up being drafted. As a linebacker, you got somebody who's excellent in coverage and has good sideline to sideline speed and excellent discipline in the gap for the run game. Although he would be a little undersized. You know, in like a true three-down linebacker form, but he will—he will be an immediate contributor on special teams, like from the moment you pick him up. And you know, if you develop him in the way that he will likely be developed, he'll probably end up being a good passing-down linebacker for what is more and more becoming a passing game-centric NFL. Uh, some other potentially draftable prospects that Ali Fayad might get some looks. In day three, Tyson Anderson is being projected around day three as well. Tyson Anderson showed himself pretty decently on special teams in the senior bowl. Alif Ayad had an excellent game at the East West Shrine Bowl. He moved up those charts as well, but it's a deep edge class, so he will have to wait his turn. Uh, Dustin Crum was getting some potential round seven entry, round six, round seven. He did not play very well in the East West Shrine game. It was, in fact, probably the worst of the performances that I saw, if I have to be perfectly frank. But apparently, he was very impressive in the practices. Showed lots of accuracy. Showed himself to be pretty intelligent. Um, he was apparently liked a lot down there. So, you know, he might get a look. It's a it's a class that is so starved for a good quarterback this year. Uh, it's being considered one of the weakest quarterback classes since the infamous EJ Manual led group that I want to say was either 2012-2013, it would have been the year Eric Fisher went first overall. But, you know, he'll get some looks. Uh Somebody else who rose up this year, Luke Gatticki, who was the other tackle besides Ryman, uh, he went from not being a professional prospect to somebody who could get drafted as early as the fourth round at the tackle spot. Many are projecting him to be a guard, and that's probably where it end up being at the professional level, but the fact that he's also able to be a tackle will be very impressive. Uh, he did not play in the Senior Bowl because he sustained an injury on the first day of practices. Otherwise, you probably would have seen that. He'll have his chance at the Combine. I'm looking at some other names here. Uh, Brian Kobach, he played good enough in the Hula Bowl. He, I think he was MVP of the Hula Bowl and got an invite to come into the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl as an injury replacement. And He ended up balling out over there too and had himself a really good day. So you know he might be in the late draft discussion or priority free agent discussion as well. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, Khalil Pippleton had himself an excellent collegiate bowl as well. He will likely not be drafted, but he will be a priority free agent in my estimation. So basically, there's a lot of names here, you know that could that could see themselves in the professional leagues, and you know it's not just the NFL. Uh, the Tropical Bowl in particular, we had, I think, the most Mac prospects in the Tropical Bowl nine. Uh, they did not have any NFL scouts there. They had scouts from the Canadian Football League, the Indoor Football League, the XFL, uh, the newly formed USFL. We are talking about that a little bit earlier today uh, prior to coming on. And, you know, a lot of other smaller leagues, they were, you know, the CFL teams, I think the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, random practices and scrimmages and then you know these scouts from these other organizations were sitting in and watching in real time and they had the opportunity to sit down and interview these candidates first so all of those prospects that went to the tropical bowl are going to have likely going to have a chance at other levels of professional football as well and they did get their tape sent to the nfl so it's not like they won't be out but i won't be out of shot in the nfl But, you know, they're going to be making their living playing football. And, you know, for them, that's the dream, to be able to do that. So, you know, even if you don't make it at the NFL level, you're going to make it at some level of professional football. Maybe somebody will get back to the NFL if you play well enough. So that's good for you. Uh, Oh, uh, one more player that I forgot about before we get off. Clint Rakovich had an excellent East-West Shrine Bowl. That might be a guy who... Played himself into round seven contention, which I basically call like the drafted undrafted free agent. It's basically your first bid at a free agent. Uh, he was pretty good at the fullback position. He got some snaps at running back, but he was especially dominant in special teams, you know, uh, going down and getting tackles. I think he ended up picking up a fumble on a, on a special teams play and nearly taking it back for a score. Or he might have taken it back for a score. My memory is a little iffy. Regardless, he played himself very well. He might get picked up by somebody out there as a uh, not a blocking fullback, but not an H back but just like a, a true hybrid back that could see some success in say like a power runs
1: good stuff james yeah you you make a lot of great points there i especially love your point about you know other avenues into professional football with the cfl the xfl the newly formed usfl the indoor you know some you know the arena leagues that are still around there so a lot of these guys are gonna get a look somewhere maybe not at piano in the nfl initially but at some level of professional football they will be there and uh with the NFL draft just a little over two months away, kicking off 20, April 28th to 30th this year, uh, we'll see how, how many MAC players do get their names called. See if uh, if. Uh, Bernard Ryman can get his name called in the first round. Always a cool thing to see Mac players drafted so highly. Well, James, thank you for stopping by with us this week. Appreciate you coming by to, to break down all these uh, college football all-star games. For James Jimenez, for Zach Vanuenzi, I am Zach Volador. This has been episode 84 of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. Thanks for stopping by this week, folks. We'll talk to you next Friday.